Mets Musings is an unofficial, independent podcast covering New York's National League Baseball team. It is not affiliated in any way with Major League Baseball or the New York Mets. This is Len and Jeff from Baseball and Barbecue. And the one place to go for New York Mets news, past week game reviews, upcoming series previews, interviews, analysis, opinion, and, and what's, what's going, going down, down on the farm. farm. It's, it's Mets Musings with Gary Mack. So keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. Mets Musings with, with Gary Mack. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. And hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings. I hope everyone had a great week out there. It's a special edition of Mets Musings. We're going to do something special this week. There's not going to be no long uh, talk for me in the beginning, recapping whatever's going on in spring training, and we're going to go right to my guest. Uh, it was a very, very wonderful uh, interview. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I do. It it was with Mr. Art Shamsky of the 1969 Miracle Mets, and I have to tell you, it was... Uh, an emotional day for me and an emotional interview being a 16-year-old kid 50 years ago when the Mets won the World Series for the first time. He has a book coming out. It'll be out uh, Monday, March 18th. That's tomorrow. And I hope that you'll all go pick up a copy. If you're a Mets fan and enjoy the history of the Mets, you'll enjoy this book. And he'll tell you about it. And so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen... Mr. Art Chamsky. Hello, Art Chamsky? Yes, is he. Hi, Art. It's Gary McDonald from uh, Mets Musings. Thank you for coming on Hi, today. How are you? I'm very Good. well. How are you? Good. Expecting your call. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> how are you? I, I'm, I'm very well, and, and, and it's a real pleasure and uh, an honor to have you on. Uh, I was a 16-year-old kid in uh, 1969, so everything's pretty vivid in my memory. <laughs> good for you. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm meeting a lot of people who weren't even born when I played, <laughs> so that's a little scary, but it's nice to talk to somebody who's... who's uh, Got some memory, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and and you know, let's start off by saying, can you believe that it's fifty years already? Well, you know, it's 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 hard to believe in a sense, but on on, on the other hand, you know, I live in the New York City area, mm-hmm. and and for me, it, it seems like every day somebody talks to me about that team. For those of us like myself and Eddie Cranepool and Buddy Harrelson, who who hasn't been well but still lives in the area, for us who have done so many things over the years. I don't think we feel it the same way as some of the guys who live outside of the area and don't, don't do as many things. Uh, we all, we're constantly doing personal appearances mm-hmm. and, and, and things of that nature. And so, and I, and I live in the city and I'm reminded every day about having been played, having played for that team. Somebody hears my name or recognizes me or something. And, and that team has been, the legacy of that team has been passed on from generation to generation. So people remember it, um, um, you know, talk about it and, 
and, and they know how important we were to the city of New York and to the country to some extent. So um, I'm, it, it's been, I know it's been 50 years. I don't feel like it's been 50 years, but the reality of it is I've gotten older, so it, it's been 50 years. So <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've joined you too with that getting old stuff. <laughs> Well, I, I like to use the word older. Not, older, not so okay. Older. I like that. I like that. Um, the book is 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 a terrific read. It's just uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I said, uh, you know, to me, it's this generation's boys of summer. It really is that poignant at times. Uh, especially to me, as a sixty-six-year-old Met fan, the the um, the opening chapter and the closing chapter were really uh, the ones that really brought a bunch of emotions to me, um, both happiness and, and, and sadness. And, and I'm not saying it's a sad book, uh, not by any means. It's, it's, it's uh, a fascinating book, and it's well-read well read and, and well-written Um but uh, to me, as a fan, I'm just saying that it it, it brought about all, all kinds of emotions and uh, recalled the time that was, uh, you know, I know it was a turbulent time in our history, but I really had a good summer that year. <laughs> and it, yeah, uh, it was a great year for New York sports with the Jets first winning in in January and then us winning in October and and then the Knicks winning in May of '70. Uh, and I, my first book was The Magnificent Seasons, and I wrote about those three teams who right. All of us had won for the first time. Nobody had ever won before. But, but this book was different. Um, there's been so many books written about that team. Um, and when I sat down with Eric Sherman, who co-wrote it with me, we talked about what we wanted to do for this 50th anniversary. And my thought was that instead of doing something where, you know, everybody could go online and see the day-to-day games that went on, mm-hmm. and even though we talk about those a little bit, some of those special games, et cetera, I, I, we wanted it, both Eric and I wanted it to be something special. And, and it's interesting that you said that about the first and the last couple's chapters, because it, if we, we felt like we wanted to, to, to get emotional about this, because in my mind, the book is about uh, friendships, mm-hmm. um, love to some extent about your teammates, and also about aging. I mean, the fact is that we've all gotten older and we've lost uh, about 10 members of that team. And, and now we have uh, guys that are ill, and, and, and so it is, it's a reality. And so so for me, um, that part is sad, but the reality of it is that the, the fact that the team kind of lives on forever is something that all of us uh, who were part of that team can cherish because it was such a special time. And when we went out to, to see Tom, I knew then that, that um, well, first of all, that to go out there was really a challenge because – yeah, you know, we could have picked any guys to go out there, but I wanted Buddy to do it. It's important for us to be. But it could have been anybody. It could have been anybody on the team, and 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 it also had to do with availability. Uh, um, and Ronnie Swoboda went out, and uh, and Jerry Kuzman was the other two, and then Eric Sherman and myself, and just coordinating guys to fly in. Ronnie's wife had had been ill; she had just had surgery, and so that was a challenge. And and so so that part of it had to fall into place. But the most difficult thing was that when I talked to Tom, you know, a couple months before we were going to do this and I said, we want to come out and see you. And he said, great. And we had a great conversation. He said, but you got to call my wife, Nancy, because she'll coordinate. I might forget about 
the dates and everything like that. And I said, not a problem. So uh, I talked to Nancy a number of times, and, and the thing that she told me right off the bat was that Tom has good days and he has bad days. And, and hopefully when you get out here, it'll be a good day. And so that was the challenge because we flew all the way out there from New York, and then Ron Sobota came from New Orleans, and mm-hmm. Kuzman came from Minneapolis, and, and we had to meet at the same time to be able to drive to Calistoga. And, and then at that, that even after that, we didn't know if Tom was going to be feeling well enough right. for us to stop by and see him. Well, it, it, it turned out he was fine, and, and we went out and we sat down at his house and we reminisced, and it was a, a, a great, great day. And then we ended up going to lunch and, and um, down in Calistoga and, and spending time with him and reminiscing and, and everybody kind of throwing out things and, and laughing I mean, you couldn't ask for a better situation. It turned out to be a beautiful day out there in Calistoga and Napa Valley. And Tom was one of those days he was feeling good. But he did tell us at the time that he didn't think he'd be traveling anymore. And that he was really, for all intents and purposes, was done with any baseball kind of things. He was just going to enjoy his life. He, working in the the wine fields, he had, he's got the three acres of, of wine. And I think he's got a total of over 100 acres. But but just three acres of wine. And he goes out there every day and he prunes the wines and he does what he has to do to get the company that, that makes the wine get ready. And he enjoys that. But I knew back then that, that, that even though the day was great and we really had a wonderful time reminiscing that, that um, I didn't know if he, I didn't probably, I probably thought at that time he wasn't going to be traveling anymore yet. He hasn't been to the hall of fame in a couple of years for the ceremonies and, I knew then that uh, he wasn't going to be coming back. And then when I heard the news last Thursday, oh. it was kind of kicking the gut. But it yeah. wasn't. I wasn't so surprised that while I was in shock because of a friend and a teammate, the fact that I knew then that he was having some memory problems. Listen, he had he had Lyme disease for over twenty years. Right. And mm-hmm. and that he got that in Connecticut before he even moved to California, and he's been dealing with that for over twenty years. And that directly affects your memory so uh, i'm not a doctor so i can't say exactly what's what's <laughs> yeah. going on but but i do know that uh, that has some direct effect on his memory and and um and i think what he's going to do now is family's just going to enjoy his family and and um take advantage of, uh, of of what he what he likes to do and that's work in the wine fields and enjoy his life so uh, we're I'm, I'm hoping that that's that's the case but i don't think He'll be traveling much anymore. Well, I, I know uh, that all the New York fans, Met fans, are, are praying for him and hoping that uh, he does have, uh, you know, can live out his days the way he wants to and uh, don't, doesn't let this uh, this thing beat him. I, I uh, My father had the same thing, and it's, it's a very sad disease. Um, but I, I think also that... It, it adds a little, that news really added something to this book coming out. We're talking with Art Shamsky. He's got a book coming out after the miracle, The Lasting Brotherhood of the 69 Mets. And uh, I, I think that news really makes this book even more important because well, it may be the last time that you guys get all to get together yeah, with yeah, him. That's- I think we even said that in the book. We 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 got the feeling when we said goodbye, um, you know. And again, I go back to the fact that we've lost ten guys on that team, including our great manager Gil Hodges, and 
and uh, four of our coaches and you know key members of that team. Everybody who passed away was a key member of that team. And first with Cal Coons and then Don Cardwell and Tommy Agee and and uh, Tug McGraw and. Uh, and you know it's 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 been a, it's been a, and now Ed Charles Ed a year Charles, ago it, yeah. it's been a sad sad state of affairs but that's the aging process and 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 so while we have our memories and we reminisce we 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 we, we sob for those guys who were part of this great team and and won't be around for the for this 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 50th anniversary but that team was very very special and and and. And listen, I admit I'm in New York. I'm still in New York because of it. It's, uh, it's, it's, um, it was a team. I played 13 years, and for all intents and purposes, nobody ever talks about the other 12. <laughs> it's really about 1969. And, and, um, and I, I just, I'm just so happy to have been part of that team. I, you know, I get questions all the time saying, don't you wish you were playing now and making all the money? And I say, well, are you crazy? Of course. But the reality of it, for two reasons, I say, really, the, the reality of it is that. I wouldn't trade this World Series ring that I have for anything and no amount of money. And the second thing is I played with and against some guys in the mid-60s and early 70s that I believe was the greatest conglomerate of players in the history of baseball. And just the National League with Mays, Aaron Clemente. I played with Frank Robinson, Pete Rose, Johnny Bench. Look at all the great pitchers I played against in in the National League with with Koufax, Marischal, Drysdale, uh, Perry, Gibson, Carlton, Seaver, um, um, Ferguson, Jenkins, uh, Jim Bunning. I mean, all these guys went on to be in the Hall of Fame. And, and so I'm very lucky to have been part of not only that team, but that era of great players. But that team was so special and, and so memorialized. Uh, there's been so many books. I don't even know how many books have been written about that team. And so getting back to, the, the, you know, I'm, kind of diversing a little bit here on the, but getting back to the, the way we wanted to do the book is really, we wanted to do something different. And, 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 and while, while, you know, all, so many games were important that year and so many players contributed to the success of that team it was really about friendships and, and, and like I said, aging and, and dedication and trust for your teammates. And, and, um, and I think that's the important thing about the book. The timing with Tom is, is incredible. I mean, nobody wanted it, but mm-hmm. it's the fact is it's incredible timing with this going out. And, and I hope people that read it appreciate the fact that, that it was a, a team that everybody got along with. Everybody loved everybody else. Everybody pulled for everybody else. There was, there was no animosity. There was no, and judging anybody. Gil Hodges, our manager, was a great manager. And look what he did. He platooned in, in four or five positions and got the most out of everybody and was able to get guys on the bench who weren't playing much involved in the game. And as it turned out, everybody on that team contributed to something, some success of that team. And look at Al Weiss, what he did in the World Series and and um, and, and Don Clendenin, and what he did. And and Rod Gaspar, you know, all these all these guys were part of that team, and I could go not on and on with names and <laughs> Wayne Garrett and, yeah. and Charles, you know, but but it was a great group of guys, and and um, I'm just hoping people that read after the miracle uh, just enjoy the closest that we had, and and um, I know people have said to me that the first chapter was a little sad, and the last uh, couple chapters were, but but the reality of it is that's life, and and mm-hmm. uh, and we all felt when we said goodbye to Tom that it was a, an emotional emotional time and that uh, but we were so thankful that we got that those moments to share and 
and, and to tell some lies. Those stories might have been stretched out a little bit, but the reality of it is they were <laughs> golden moments. They were golden moments for all of us who were part of that, that trip out there. And then talking to the guys in the course of writing the book is some of the, some of the fun things that came back and some of the, 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 the momentous events that happened that year were so special. And they still resonate with fans today. People still talk about the black cat. Right. They talk about right. Tom's almost perfect game that's yeah. taken on a life of its own. They talk about the Steve Carlton strikeout game with 19, and we win the game 4-2 to because Swoboda hits two two-run home runs. I mean, I made the last out of a no-hitter pitched against us that year. I mean, we can go on and on yeah. and on, and it's just crazy <laughs> things that happen, but it's all part of the legacy of that team. And, and not to even mention what else went on in the world with the uh, Woodstock and man landing on the moon, but I wanted to talk a little bit about Gil Hodges. Uh, I'm of the belief he should be in the Hall of Fame, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I can remember interviews with Tom Seaver where he practically breaks down in tears when he talks about Gil Hodges. Uh, a number of the guys, he was so beloved on that team and so well-respected. Ed Cranepool often talks about uh, how he differed with him. And you speak on the book about how Sloboda said he wished he had more conversations, didn't fight with him as much. Uh, talk a little bit about Gil Hodges, if you will. Well, Gil was uh, was the strength of that team. I was He was a terrific manager. He managed by feel. And uh, what I mean to say is he, he felt the game. Uh, he made out lineups based on what he felt, and, and he knew that at some point he was going to have to get uh, those guys at the end of the bench involved, and in, and in, in if he wanted them to do some 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 things that would help the team win over the course of the year, and he did. And so he, I don't know, he he wouldn't, I don't even know if he would like managing today with the sabermetrics and right. all the printouts and everything. But he was a manager of feel, and 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 all of us respected what he had to say. I, I can honestly say that I didn't have that many conversations with him. Uh, um, he was a very strong disciplinarian. But we all respected him, and 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 even when he was platooning myself and Swoboda in right field, and Clendenin and Cranepole and Weiss and Boswell and Garrett and Charles at third base, and sometimes even Grody behind the plate with J.C. Martin and Duffy Dyer, um, we didn't like it. it. It wasn't good for our career, but it was working, and 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 all of us who who, who were who were involved in that situation respected Gill, and he was. He would look you in the eye and he would talk to you and tell you how he felt. And there was nothing, nothing that was, you know, you don't you want anything more from a manager and just be honest with you, but it was working and we all accepted it and we all pulled for each other. And, it, and look at, if you, if you look at some of the collective numbers at each position, we had pretty good years. That's so what and myself, uh, we had almost an all-star mm-hmm. year out there in right field and Clendenin and Cranepo at first. And like I said, the other guys, collectively did really well. So it was working, and, and, and Gil, to his credit, was really the force. And I, I do believe that, like you, he should be in the Hall of Fame uh, for a number of reasons, and that would be another radio program, quite honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but he certainly, if you look at his numbers compared to some of the guys that are in there, like Cepeda and Perez and Santo, I mean, he's right up there in a lot of the categories. But, but he died too young. Uh, he was 47, I think oh. two days shy of his 48th birthday, and and I do believe the Mets would have won more World Series if he would have been around to, to guide them. But but uh, he was a great manager because he demanded respect from his players and 
and really was the catalyst. And when he came over in 68, which was my first year, mm -hmm. I remember in spring training, he basically said, you guys are not going to be the same old Mets. And for me, it was a new experience because I hadn't been with the Mets before that, but I had played against them. And you knew if you didn't win two out of three games against them, you were not, it was a lousy series. And so when, when I got over and he was there, you knew it was going to be, it was going to be no nonsense. And even though we finished ninth, a uh, half game out of last place in 68, you knew that this, the direction was going in the right way. And I think Gil uh, never got as much credit as he deserved for leading that team, but he certainly was the catalyst. And uh, I know you're a little, uh, you're on a time schedule, um, but my producer wants me to ask you about the uh, uh, Cleon Jones in the World Series, the uh, shoe polish ball. Was that ah. <laughs> you were probably on the bench? For <laughs> well, that. here's the thing. As I tell everybody, um, I was on the bench uh, because I was on the bench and I was at the other end of the bench. And and uh, I, I know the whole scenario with the ball mm -hmm. hitting Cleon and rolling into the dugout and then Gil walking out with a ball with a little scuff mark on it. And, and the way Cleon tells it is he didn't want to go to first base, even though he knows the ball hit him because he wanted to hit. Now, if you believe that story, I have a, a bridge for you to buy in the, <laughs> over, the, over the East River. But, uh, but the way it worked out is um, um, the big argument, and Cleon gets first base, and, and uh, Glendennon then, hit, then hits the home run. But I have to believe that Gil, in all his honesty, wouldn't have done anything shady. But I really didn't see, so I'm not the, the not a person to really ask. But but there's all varying varying stories about this, and the Kuzma's involved in that. As always, he's always in the middle of something. And and um, but uh, Cleon finally got smart and said, "Okay, let me go to first base," you know. And yeah. uh, but he always claimed the ball did hit him, but he didn't want to go to first base because he wanted to hit off Dave McNally. So I find that a little strange. But but. Um, but it was a strange game in a strange year, one game of many that were unbelievable, the Black Cat, the almost perfect game. Right. I mean, so many things happened that we talked about before, but it was a year for us, and, and that year God was a Met fan. There's no doubt about it. But <laughs> but, but it's, so, it's so great to be able to talk to about it and to be, people like yourself and who remember it and, and cherish those moments 50 years ago because – um, you know, and, you know, I don't think you'll ever see a, a year like that where three teams in New York win championships all for the first time. No. Nobody had ever won before, and so, mm -hmm. so it was a, an incredible year for, for, for sports in New York City. And and now we're talking about it 50 years later, and and it's it's really nice to be able to reminisce and and remember those those wonderful times because they brought a lot of smiles to people's faces and and we were we were a team that made people feel better about their life. So the world was was really crazy back then with the war in Vietnam and all sorts of negative things. You mentioned Woodstock and the walk on the moon. Those are really two of the only kind of good things. I mean, everything else was bad news. And so right. but we kind of made people feel better about their lives for whatever brief time it was. And I think people are thankful for that and pass it on to, to their kids and, and their kids' kids. And, and I always get people coming up to me saying, Hey, you know, I was really, strapped for money or I was in Vietnam in the worst place in the world and you made me feel a lot better about where I was and I said I always tell myself if I could have I made somebody feel better about their life for a moment then I've accomplished something and I think that's all of us who were part of that team feel like we were able to do that 
It certainly was, and, and one quick memory for me, I was at the NLE's clinching game. I, we had gone to a game in August and decided to buy tickets in September towards the end of the season. We we happened to buy that night purely by accident, had them a month ahead of time, went with my father uh, and a friend of mine, uh, and uh, it was the most exhilarating feeling uh, ever in my lifetime as a 16-year-old kid up to that point to be there when the Mets first won something, you know? And, yeah, and, and part, of it, part of it because of where they came from. Um, I can't exactly. take the blame for those early years because <laughs> I was with Cincinnati. But, but uh, those early years were really, really, people came to the ballpark to see them lose. Right. I mean, they, yeah. they did. They were, out of it by, they were out of it by June in terms of a, any kind of pennant race. And so, so for guys like Eddie Cranepool, who hit the home run in Game Three of the World Series, uh, it was like a, a revelation for him to be part of that that winning team to see of all the good, the bad, and the ugly that he saw. And so, and so people remember how bad that team was. And that particular game you're talking about was the first of three celebrations we had at mm-hmm. Chase Stadium. The field got torn up, but right. but like you, we were all caught up in how exciting that was to to be part of that experience and. And uh, and at that point, we didn't know we were going to win a pennant after that or a World Series. But just to win that division was really exciting for us. And we knew then that we had a, a really good team. And and that uh, I don't know the exact amount of games we won from from the end of August on, but I believe we had an incredible record from the end of August on to the end of the season and ended up winning 100 games that year. And, you know, we beat a pretty good Baltimore team that won 108. Mm-hmm. It was three twenty-game winners, so 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 we all uh, we all feel like we really accomplished something. I do have a distinction though of making the last out of the only game we lost in the World Series. So if that's <laughs> worth anything, uh, you know, uh, at the time nobody thought everybody thought we might lose four in a row, but not us, not the team, but fans and some of the media. But we ended up winning the next game when Kuzman pitched a great game in Baltimore, and then mm-hmm. won the next three in New York, and the rest is history. But you did hit five thirty eight in the NLCS, so that's something, right? I had I, I had a, I had a great series against Atlanta, and didn't start and was frustrated. That's what I talked about before. Right. All of us were frustrated because I don't start the first game of the World Series, and then he sends me up to pinch hit against the left hander Mike Cuellar. <laughs> you know, I, I I always tell people this story. It's it's really interesting. You 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 um you think about your first that bad in the big leagues or your first that bad in professional baseball, maybe your first home run. But I must tell you, this is the honest to God truth. I think about that at bat in the ninth inning of game one in the world series against Mike Quayer. And I do think about that every single day in my life, that one pitch that I hit the second base, yeah. I could have hit it out of the ballpark and been a hero, but I, I ended up grounding out. And it's interesting. I've done some great things in my career, but I always think about that at bat. So so uh, I haven't told too many people about that, but that one at bat, I wish I could have back right now because he threw me a pitch right down the middle of the plate, Mike Cuellar, and I just grounded out to second base. But, but uh, again, to be part of that team, to be part of that, 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 that excitement and now 50 years later for me is very, very special. Well, Art, again, I know you have a schedule to keep, and I kept you a little bit over, and I I could talk to you for hours about that year, and I wish we had more time, but I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on today and for 
that year and that team and you guys we just loved you guys so much and 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 I'm sure you know Thank that you. over the 50 years but this is my my chance to say it to somebody from that team I've told Cranepool right. I've you. met Cranepool and now I have my chance to say it to you, and I just want to thank you so much. I will tell you one story before we leave. Though. Okay. Over the years, over the years, um, I've had. I'm, I'm not venture. I'm. It's, I'm probably pretty close to the right number. I've had 150 thousand people come up to me to tell me they were at the last game when we won the World <laughs> Series, and I know the ballpark only held 53 thousand, and so whatever they say to me is fine. If they think they were there. And uh, I said, really, you were there? He said, yeah, we have the tickets at home. So I believe him. So uh, I'm telling you, 150,000 people were there when we won the World Series. So God bless them. And, and you've made that impact on everybody. And this book is just, I, I, I mean, if you're a Met fan and you remember that year, you have to read this book. The book is just, as you say, it is a brotherhood. and It's so touching. It's so fascinating. It's just, I, I can't. I, I, I'm running out of adjectives to describe it, but uh, again, thank you for taking the time today. Thank I you. so appreciate thank you so much for those kind words. I hope people do get it, and and um, I'm curious of everybody's comments. And I hope I hope what it does is basically just touch people's lives and and give them a little bit uh, of a remembrance of how great that team was. It certainly will. And, and thanks again, Art. All right, my pleasure. Okay. Bye bye now. Did you know that Baseball PhD can be heard on BaseballTalkRadio.com? Our shows rotate with other top baseball podcasts. Now don't forget, that's BaseballTalkRadio.com. With us, we'll help you get a PhD in life through baseball. With BaseballTalkRadio.com, you'll hear the rest of the excellent universe of baseball podcasts. And we're back, and... uh... I'm, I have a special guest in the studio with me today, my good buddy. He's not on the phone, but he is right here. Jeff Cohen, uh, Baseball and Barbecue. And Jeff, uh, you just sat through uh, the interview we did with Archamsky, and I hope you enjoyed it. And you've got some memories of 69 of your own. Absolutely. It was a wonderful, wonderful interview. I'm glad Archamsky came on your show. Uh, it, it was a great listen, and everybody's going to enjoy it. Uh, my memories of 69, I was a seven-year-old kid, uh, so I don't remember all the uh, important games. I do remember through the video highlights and stuff, the Seaver uh, near-perfect game. I actually did talk to him one time about it when at a, a celebration of uh, celebrating 50 years of the Mets in, uh, you know, coming t- into the league, and he was there talking about it, so... Uh, that was that was a great conversation. He talked about it to a bunch of people. We also, uh, but the things I remember about that '69 World Series was those catches by Tommy Agee. Those must be one of the two two of the greatest catches in World Series history. Uh, you talk about Willie Mays' catch, which was also a fantastic catch, but the two late by Tommy Agee was just uh, fantastic. As long and and Ron Svoboda, you know, those three defensive plays aren't made. Yeah. They might not win the World yeah. Series. And I, I think one of the interesting things about the AG catch is that there was two in the same game. In the same game. Uh, like two innings, two, three innings apart, one uh, with Gentry pitching, uh, the one to left center where he backhanded, which I always thought was the the more difficult because uh, he he had to reach uh, – it was a backhanded play and he snow-coned it. 
And then, of course, the other one, uh, which was to right center and uh, backed up by our special guest today, um, Art Shamsky. But, um, yeah, I, I kind of uh, uh, think it's hard to, uh, you know, like you said, we remember the Willie Mays catch, but that's it. You know, AG had two in the same AG game. Had two of them. Um, that that was a wild series in '69. I mean, uh, I'm a little older than you, so I remember a little bit more vividly. But you had the um, the uh, shoe uh, shoe polish, shoe polish and J- just just so crazy things that happened. You know, Swoboda should have caught the the Don Buford home run, right? And he missed it, uh, and he he admits that he missed it. He should have had it. Uh, just crazy things, and and one thing I learned in doing the research uh, for this today is that I, I never I forgot that Cranepool actually had a World Series home run. He hit a World Series home run, he and uh, you know that's something that they can never take away from anybody. Never take it away. And uh, you know, just it was just uh, of course Cleon with the knee and the last out. Of course, just, well. Who, you know, uh, there's a, a play that often gets overlooked with the J.C. Martin bunt. The uh, J.C. Martin bunt. That and, hit him. And uh, the Gaspar uh, uh, run and, from uh, and the second Gaspar base run, to sure. home. You know? And Al Weiss hitting home runs. Al Weiss, the mighty mighty Al Weiss there. But I remember vividly the uh, Wayne Garrett home run. He the started Wayne off Garrett, get game yeah. three. He led off with a home run. And it was yeah, just uh, yeah. it was all special. And, and the pitching was obviously you know, superior. To, and and. The Orioles had great pitching. pitching yeah. They had Palmer, they had Cuellar, they had yeah. McNally. Uh, Mets, you know, with Siva Kuzman, Gentry, McAndrew, uh, uh, Don Cardwell was on that team, and and Tug coming out of the pen. Yeah, I think I think the difference was I think the bullpen um, and the defense definitely, but I also think that um, they got the Orioles to play National League Baseball, and they weren't capable of doing that. Right. But they weren't able to slug their way. The good pitching shut them down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's really what the key was in that World Series. And if we had more time, we could have, you know. Yeah. But I uh, hope everybody understands that our chance is on a schedule, and we were lucky enough to get a slot in and, and to uh, talk to him. So... Um, you know, who knows? Uh, maybe we can get him on again sometime when, when things settle down and, and talk more about that season. Uh, I'd love to do that if Absolutely. he'd be open to it somewhere down the road. We'll see. But, um, you know, uh, talking about that 69 team, not just the World Series, but going through the playoffs, mm-hmm. they have played the Braves. It's the first time it was in a division play, so it was the first right. time there was playoffs. Right. And who did they have to go through? They had to go through Hank Garen. And, and and Davey Johnson and that powerful team. Eddie Matthews. Eddie Matthews. Uh, you know, Phil Negro was on that team, had a big year. Uh, just a bunch of good good ball players. Right, and, and I think uh, uh, Tom Seaver's favorite player was, was Hank Aaron. Uh, he, yeah, he's going up against his yeah, idol. Yeah, and then to yeah. go against the powerful, powerful Orioles with Robinson, both Robinsons and, and right. Boog Powell and the great uh, underrated shortstop Mark Belanger. And, yeah. and their powerful pitching. It, yeah. was, it was just... Uh, and Paul Blair. And Paul Blair. And the guys that they had. Yeah. And, right. Uh, well, you know, they were arrogant, too. The uh, In the book, they tell the story about um, a Buford's home run, and he came around second base and, and uh, said to Buddy Harrelson, um, 
you ain't seen nothing ain't yet. Seen nothing yet. And Buddy Harris said, "What do you mean we ain't seen? You know what? What are you talking about?" He, it, he was, and he went into the dugout and told everybody, and that really fired him up. And that was the big mistake that the Orioles sure. could have made in firing up the sleeping giant. Because let's face it, they had probably the best. Uh, pitching staff and the unsung guy you know gary gentry came in game three and, sure. and shut them down and then when he ran into trouble nolan ryan they brought in nolan ryan who was a, a rookie i think that year maybe it was his second year i forget but um all of that gets touched in a book um uh Shamsky even touches on about whether ryan uh he, he does have a story about ryan leaving you know mm-hmm. uh and how uh, what wordy wordy <laughs> Whitey Herzog, who we don't remember, a he lot was, of people uh, don't he was remember, in that organization. was a big yeah. key scouting guy in sure. a Mets organization, yes. head of scouting at one point, and he was totally against the trade. But he was totally against the trade, not knowing that Nolan Ryan was even in it. He didn't want to trade Leroy Stanton to the Angels right. to Fergozzi. He had seen Fergozzi, I believe he said a couple of months before. And uh, didn't think it would be worth Leroy Stanton. Did not want to trade Leroy uh-huh. Stanton. Then when he heard it was uh, Ryan and Stanton, and uh, uh, I think one or two other players, he was in shock. So, um, but what a year it was with, uh, you know, like I said, I, I, I think the world was in turmoil there. There was a lot of stuff going on with Vietnam. But as a 16 year old kid, it was a great summer for me. I mean, I was a history buff, so I had the the moon landings. A Mets fan, you had the Mets going through the season. Uh-huh. There was Woodstock. If you loved music, sure. Um, it was just, I mean, it was just a summer that I had. A, you know, I remember going. I was out at my friend's. My friend had a house out in the island and went out there for a, a month. It was a great month. We were out there for the moon landing and following the Mets. And uh, it was just a terrific summer on a plus side for me, uh, not being all attuned to all the bad in the world at the time. Right. And uh, and of course, the Mets was just the pinnacle. Um, sure. I remember what, what Shamsky was saying about the brotherhood of that team. It's it's really true. Yes. Could you say the same thing about the you know 70 Orioles or all the other teams that won the World Series? Yes, they they. I'm sure in, in, in past years they they're very close because those teams stayed together. Mm-hmm. Nowadays you don't have that. I, I think free agency killed a lot of that. Yes. Um, and and I do think that they they I think most winning teams uh, most teams have a brotherhood about them. Mm-hmm. Um, this could be you know. This, I think, is deeper because it was the Mets. It was the miracle Mets, the team that finished ninth place the year before. Right. Um, had never even been above 500, sure. uh, uh, you know, past, like, April. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and was so the level of losers, the 62 Mets, was so bad that to have this happen to them um, – and I think that's where the brotherhood came from, that they right. all gelled together, and they gelled under a leader who they loved and respected. Yeah, Hodges Gil was Hodges. absolutely the uh, um, right man in the right place at the right time. Exactly. I can't say it better myself. And uh, just just, uh, just a great day. And, uh, again, I urge everybody uh, to get the book, After the Miracle, the I know, Lasting I, Brotherhood of the I can't wait to read it. Minutes. I can't wait to read it. 
Uh, and you will read it. Yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I'll be back to sign off right after this. Looking for great Cardinals talk? Then check out Conversations with C70. My name is Daniel Shopdaw, and I talk with some of the great bloggers on the Internet today about their teams. It always goes back to the Cardinals. Find the latest episode on my website, www.cardinal70.com or at baseballpodcast.net. Baseball and BBQ, your place for interesting baseball talk, opinions, and history. Baseball and BBQ, your place for barbecue recipes, tips, and interviews from the world of barbecue. If you like baseball and if you like barbecue, then tune in to Baseball and BBQ. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and BaseballTalkRadio.com, along with Mets Musings and other great baseball podcasts. With all the Mets news, it is the news from around the world and around the corner. Here's Gary Mack. And I'm back, and I hope that uh, uh, you enjoyed this show as much as I did putting it together. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. I hope you enjoyed it again. I want to thank my guest, Hart Shamsky, and also Jeff Cohn for coming by and uh, giving me some moral support during this uh, uh, very uh, somewhat emotional interview for me. And I want to thank you all for listening. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, wherever you listen to the podcast or watch it. Hit the subscribe button. That helps me grow the show and expand to new listeners. And until next time, remember, keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. See you the next time in another edition of Mets Musings. Good night, everybody.